0: Coming up on tonight's episode, we're talking about some lost legends of the theme park world. Defunct amusement rides coming up tonight. This is Up for Debate, episode number 172, recorded February 27th, 2020, closed for refurbishment. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the debate podcast with the two hosts agree on Everything. I'm Sean Jennings, joined, as always, by our own man constantly under renovation. It's Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt.
1: How's it going, Sean? Ready to talk some old, old uh, theme parks
0: here? Uh, I am... So ready to rock and roll this show. I I sent you uh, earlier in our Slack chat um, a comment left for us on YouTube that I think uh, pretty much sums up our show perfectly. Uh, Talk about the XFL, but don't even watch the XFL, and here's the quote, and this is why no one cares what you two morons have to say. So, Matt, we're going to continue that onto something we also have no business talking about, as you mentioned, defunct theme park attractions. I think they should put that on the back of the box. That, you know, honestly, we're gonna get some like shirts made. What oh, these two okay. morons have to say. Uh now Wait, should you know, we just rename let's just rename the show that? Two morons? <laughs> no, just, no one cares what these two mo- two morons <laughs> that, have to say. That's our catchphrase. Now, now Matt show. You you pitched this idea and I immediately like my heart grew three sizes bigger when you pitched it because I'm so all about it. Why did you want to talk about defunct Amusement park attractions. Um, you know it's it's funny. It's I,
1: I I've often said that I'm a big fan of amusement parks, and 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 uh, I think we we had we were talking about amusement parks at one point, and we realized we had never really talked about amusement parks on the show. So that got us thinking about some of our favorite rides and attractions and things like that, and then realizing that they didn't entirely exist anymore. So that I think that kind of prompted, um, prompted us to do a little more research about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of theme slash amusement parks for years and years and years. I've read a lot of books on the subject. Um, I listen to a, a couple great podcasts, follow a couple great YouTube channels. We'll talk about these throughout the show, I'm sure. Um, but especially when it comes to the closed ones are so fascinating because – when you get to an amusement park level, rides are not cheap. A roller coaster is 15 $20, 30000000 million. Uh, I think they said the new Rise of the Resistance at Star Wars can cost up to $100 million. I mean, these are big investments that have marketing and engineering and all sorts of things. And when they blow up so spectacularly, it's great to look back and see why and what happened and what were they thinking. Um, and the other great thing about theme parks is they're so well documented, which is great. Even going back to the early days of some of these parks, everyone's there with their family cameras and their video cameras, and, and there's blogs associated with it, and there's a great historical record of these things. So um, I think we're going to talk about some really great ones tonight. I'm very excited, and I'll even tease Matt if tonight's episode goes well. We might do a follow-up episode on one of, on topic I care about, which is defunct um, uh, theme park shows. Including wow. Spider Man Rocks, the Spider Man musical show that had no original songs, but they just played songs like "We Need a Hero" and "Hit Me with Your Best Shot." It was not good, um, and its and its sister show, Tarzan Rocks, which is even stupider, um, as well as the A Team Stunt Show. So, um, there's a lot to talk about tonight, Matt. Did you have a particular place you wanted to begin? Um,
1: yeah, I, I actually do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a personal favorite. I'm going to just open up with a personal favorite of it. Go for it. Um, So this is a ride that I uh, remember going to my very first time at Disney World back in the – I'd say like the mid-90s. I was five years old and I remember visiting um, in – I think it was – it was definitely in the uh, Magic Kingdom – part of the park but you know how you know how there's like different jurisdictions to the to the different like there's like the realm which is the magic kingdom i guess that'd be like the state and then i guess there's a there's like a there's like a different
0: district this would be the fantasy land yes fantasy land Frontierland, future yeah. uh or Tomorrowland. yeah
1: anyway th- this ride um i remember loving this ride like like Really liking this the the uh, the ride, Mister Toad's Wild Ride.
0: Wow, I'm You're surprised you started there. Yeah, that I, well, that I I had a list in my head of defunct attractions that I thought we might talk about tonight, and that was not on my list. So good for you. Really, that's okay. awesome. Was,
1: that's just a personal pick because it. I, I really enjoyed it. Turns out it's defunct now because it closed in September of 1998. Um, but I was surprised to learn that this ride had been around since the 70s, 1971, um, is when it opened in October 1st of 71 and it closed in 98. So I, I must've like kind of just hit that, that cutoff cause I was probably there in 96 or 97. Um, uh, Sean, have you ever been on this ride?
0: Are you talking about which, which ver- are you talking about the Disneyland version yeah, or the um, Orlando version. Hang on a second. So, uh, which whichever version have you have you? Well, have the you thing is, one it? of them one of them is still open. No, it's I'm talking about the one that's closed. That's the, the floor the Florida ones. version. Yeah, the one in Indeed, California yeah. is still open. No, I did not that's go the- on this ride. Mm-hmm. I I saw so yeah, I, I just at the stage. I've, I've never only been a, to the California Disneyland. Yeah, I've only been to the Orlando one once. So. Um, mm-hmm. No, I did not get a chance to ride that one.
1: Okay, uh, have you have you been to both? Just just for full disclosure, have yeah. you been to both Disneyland and Disney World?
0: No, just Disney World. Um, in 1999, uh, went once, and then I'm fingers crossed. I'm going to a trade show in Orlando in January um, of next year, and I'm hoping to spend some time at Disney World. So we'll see. Okay, but that's it.
1: Um. Yeah, no. Something I also wasn't really aware of is that there, yeah, there there is a uh, Mister Toad's Wild Ride at both. But like you like you mentioned before, it's the the world version that is now defunct and closed. I guess the Disneyland version still stands today. Um, it was replaced by the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh,
0: a much more successful ride, uh, duplicated yeah. uh, at essentially almost all of the global parks. I don't think Euro Disneyland has one, uh, but the rest of them do. Mm -hmm. Including a a highly updated one, and this one I do know about, uh, Pooh's Honey Hunt in Tokyo Disneyland, considered one of the best um, Disney rides on the planet. Um, Yeah, so basically
1: what, what Mr. Toad's Wild Ride entailed was a... Um, it was kind of like a, it was an indoor, indoor attraction. It was a closed attraction. It was, it was a, um, what they call a dark ride, kind of like a, um, like a train, almost a rail, like a rail thing. It, uh, it was, it was very action packed, very like jumpy and jolty. And it brought you around all these different, uh, different parts, different like, areas of the place where Mr. Toad lived and, and his, all of his wacky friends and characters. Um, Mr. Toad, obviously not, not a very well-known Disney character. I think he was, he might've been one of the, one of the deeper cuts in the franchise. Um, but I, I just remember really just enjoying the ride, having a, having a good time. It was one of my favorites. It was the one I really wanted to go Go on again and again, you know. Kept asking my parents, like, "Let's go back to Mr. Toad," um. And uh, and yeah, so you haven't you haven't read you haven't um you haven't rode Mr. Toad's Wild Ride.
0: No, you know it, it is an interesting. I think you're right. I think the IP. Uh, the the name Mr. Toad I don't think holds much place in modern society. The one in California, one of the few remaining uh, original day opening day attractions um, opened in 1955, though refurbished in 83. Um, I'm not surprised it was replaced by Winnie the Pooh, to be honest with you. I think that's a much more applicable um, brand. But you know, the interesting thing about uh, talking about the Disneyland version just for a second, but when Disneyland first opened... Pretty much most of their opening day rides were dark rides, slow rides, um, uh, Snow White, Peter Pan. Um, gosh, I'm sure there's some I'm forgetting. Um, but yes, so uh, that was very common and it's one of the the few remaining, which I think is interesting that it survived that long. And in, in Walt Disney World, uh, when you think about um, you think about what was there on opening day um not a particularly thrilling ride for opening day no uh would um
1: in terms of a dark ride, how about uh it's a small world it's a small world after all would that count? Is that a dark ride? yeah
0: right yeah and I think I think I think if you would first call it a boat ride because that's the mechanic that's different about it but then yes I think secondarily we would call it a dark ride I think any ride that essentially 100% of it takes place indoors could loosely be considered a dark ride hmm um there's a whole plot line
1: on here on Wikipedia's uh story of Mr. Toad's wild ride it d- describes the uh, the journey that you take when you get onto um, onto Mr. Toad it involves all of his his uh, wacky friends such as McBadger, Mole, Cyril, Ratty, uh, Winky, Mr. Winky, the bartender. This sucks. Um, oh, S- Cyril, proud yeah, there's there's lots of uh, lots of Mr. Toad and all of his wild friends. They're they're all on this adventure with you. So, um. Sean, this this has got to be the um, like kind of it. It doesn't seem like it fits with the rest of like it does and it doesn't. It fits with it fits with the Disney aesthetic. It's by the way um, the IP it's from is the Wind in the Willows which is a children's novel published in 1908. And I believe there was an... uh,
0: Disney did an animated version of of Mr. Tell. That's where the art style comes from in the 40s. I think the late 40s. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, that fits. That definitely fits with the... That was the time period where Disney was cranking out all of those, like, northern European...
0: Sure, just after the war.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. post-war. Yeah. So... I mean that's all. That's about all I have to say. I just felt like we would start with that with, with Mister Toad just because it's a uh, it's a fun one. Um, what was cool about it? What was kind of revolutionary, or I, I would assume this is revolutionary. I, I definitely hadn't heard of this happening before. Is that uh, the Magic Kingdom version of the ride featured a left track and a right track, and they both would you would I think you would encounter uh, different things. Yes. So you could ride you, the ride. The ride had like re rideability. Two different versions. You you would you would want to you know you could ride the left track and be like oh that was cool, let's go on the right track this time, and you experience different things. So I think that's that's kind of neat.
0: Yeah, Uh, absolutely.
1: Not something that I knew, but uh, and and
0: as and as we said the uh, the mechanics and building of it do still exist today, still operate as uh, as as the uh, Winnie the Pooh. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, all right,
1: I guess now that, that was my, my start, my my favorite defunct ride of all time, Mr. Toad's wild ride. Um, what, do you, what do you have for us, Sean, for your defunct land pick?
0: Oh, man, I want to talk about one of my favorite defunct rides that I was that was active when I went to Disneyland 1999 and I was way too scared, correctly so to ride it. Probably the scariest ride Disney ever created extraterrestrial alien encounter, Matt. Are you familiar with this
1: ride? <laughs> uh, sort of, yeah. Is this is this the ride where you have to shoot the aliens from your your car? No. Okay. That's I'm Buzz different.
0: Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear yes. Space Rangers or Astro Blasters, depending on location.
1: That's the one. That's yes. the one I'm thinking of. Yep, yeah, not this one. All right, so tell, tell us about that one. Alien.
0: Well, it a- Alien Encounter. Yeah, so they they capitalized the terror in extraterrestrial alien encounter. They, so the 90s was a very bad time for Disney uh, because uh, things started off strong and then Euro Disney imploded and took down the rest of the company with it, so things got real crappy for a while. But the great story behind this particular ride is uh, Michael Eisner took over for Disney in the very late 80s. And one of his goals was to... Um, uh, do work on the parks and improve on the parks which had stagnated into the late 80s and so uh, he took a tour with the park and he brought his teenage son Brecht which is Brecht is just a very funny name that's a good high schooler name um, and he and Brecht went to Disney World and Brecht complained he said he was bored that Disneyland is for kids and there isn't enough to do when you're there for older kids there aren't any thrill rides so Michael Eisner set out. One of the first things he did was bring Star Tours in as part of that feedback. Because he said the kids love Star Wars. It's, it's a little more exciting and actionable. But uh, one of the other projects he greenlit was the idea of, of a scary alien ride. Now, at the same time, there was a show called Mission to Mars in Tomorrowland in Orlando uh, that was on its way out in kind of the circular theater. And so they decided to place Alien Encounter in that theater. And essentially, the idea of the ride was that, um, and there's, a, of course, a complicated backstory, but there's a company called Excess Tech that is from outer space, and they're aliens, played in this in this video. Um, and they are going to teleport the CEO of the company across space into the theater where the ride's taking place. You sit down, there's an over-the-shoulder restraint that essentially locks you into your seat. But what happens is they accidentally teleport an alien into the theater with you. And through the use of special effects, binaural audio, water effects, shaking seats, they actually make it feel like the alien has escaped within the theater. They turn all the lights off, you don't know what's going on. It sounds like he's right behind you. They, you can actually feel the alien breathing on the back of your neck. Um and eventually they they capture the um they eventually they capture the alien. Now it's Terrifying, and it was so terrifying when they first opened it that a few months into opening it, they actually retooled it to make it slightly less scary. But it made no sense in Disney World, a place not known for scary rides.
1: So, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reading it, it. It looks the pictures do look pretty scary.
0: And, and, and if you get yeah. to watch any video of it in action, I don't think it really does it justice of being there because of the special effects in the room and the fact that you are strapped down into this chair in the pitch black darkness is scary as shit. (laughs) Um, And so the ride lasted, um, It soft opened in 94, fully opened in 95 and closed in 2003. So it only lasted about eight years um, where we'll talk about its replacement in a second, but, Um, It was closed mainly because it was difficult to explain to people this is a scary ride. It's not a Disney ride. But also, interestingly enough, because the main actor in the video um, who played the uh, company access text chairman was the actor Jeffrey Jones, who right around 2008 uh, was convicted of child pornography and luring children uh, with the purpose of uh, taking photographs of them naked. So people think that contributed to the closing of the ride because they didn't want to reshoot all of the live action footage.
1: That's that's very dark. Yes. Wow, okay. Yes. So that's uh that's extra terror estrial alien encounter.
0: Yes, shut down in two thousand three, replaced with uh, one of the worst it's agreed upon one of the worst Disney rides of all time, Stitch's Great Escape, where they use the same escaped alien uh, technology Except Stitch escapes, and instead of him uh, breathing on your neck, he burps a chili dog into your face. So um, <laughs> it was terrible and very stupid.
1: Sean, you know what wasn't terrible is the cast of this uh, this production. Tyra Banks?
0: Yes. she play- Was I- the voice of the female alien? If you get a chance, because there, there's the footage on YouTube, and it is... I it, I will argue I I never wrote it. It doesn't look like a. It looks like a good ride. Like genuinely, it just made no sense in Tomorrowland. Tim like, Curry. Like in, Tim Isn't Curry. Nice, yeah, he voices. The voice
1: um, of uh, the robot Sir, simulated intelligence robotics.
0: Yeah, and, and originally and the, voiced uh, by uh, Phil with, Hartman.
1: Yeah, in the original version. Yeah, that same AI was named Tom T O M.
0: And they made him Tom more sinister with Tim Curry, which is perfect. Yes. Um. Yeah. No. I, honestly, it's it's a cool like if this was at like Universal Studios, people I think would have really enjoyed it. I just think it was confusing being at Disney, and it just never really caught on. They had planned to bring it to the other parks, and it just never was successful enough. Mm. Cool. So a, a weird a weird ride at a weird time in the Disney parks.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah. This yeah, it really doesn't seem very Disney. This seems like something you'd see at Universal.
0: Yeah, oh, it's it's a total like Six Flags even type ride where yeah. it's where its only goal is to skate like like a Hollywood Horde Nights would be really great for this, um, but not not in Tomorrowland. And the thing is, this opened alongside the new Tomorrowland um, in 1994 uh, when they totally redid the whole place. They had a bunch of new rides and stuff, um, and this one just never never made any sense.
1: Yeah, now I'm looking at Stitch. I'm looking at Stitch's Great oof, Escape. Oof,
0: bad. And that. Yeah. I'm, so Stitch's Great Escape, um, is is it permanently closed? Yes, it's permanently closed. Um, uh, are you sure about that? Well, this it says it, it's operating. It still. was a seasonal operation, so it was only operating at peak times. But I want to say I think they like a year or two ago they finally closed it, but I'm not sure. Okay. It's definitely only semi-operating at this point.
1: Yeah. Um, this is definitely more your wheelhouse than mine. So I'll I'll definitely take your word for it here. (laughs) It's probably, they probably, yeah,
0: I'm a lunatic and I follow this stuff way too closely,
1: which is, Uh, I think this is interesting stuff. Pretty dumb. I I could, uh, I could definitely get, get, dive deeper into amusement parks and how they run and it is interesting.
0: Well, I have some book picks. If we do our summer book list again this year, I've got, I've got some good theme park reads. You know that we will. <laughs> Crazy yes. that
1: that's coming up. That's, like, not too far <sighs> off.
0: It's it's, Mar- it's almost March. I can't it believe is.
1: it. It is. It is. So, I've got one for you.
0: Yes, please. Um, this was...
1: I want to do another ride that I've experienced. Sure. So, this is another one of my favorite rides from my childhood, my trip to, to Disney at age five. And I remember a... Um, a ride called Honey, I Shrunk the Audience.
0: Oh, I actually have a funny story about Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, but you continue. (laughs) All right. Um, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience is a
1: 4D experience. Um, The fourth dimension, I think, in this case, I, I, I always thought that the 4D, I always thought it was smell. Somebody told me that the fourth dimension was smell, but it turns out the fourth dimension is really just like, you being able to experience everything, yeah, it's, like it's every, all additional effects, all yeah. the special effects that you experience in in the ride. It's smell, it's it's uh, feeling, it's it's like environment. It's like there's a whole list of, of uh, physical effects essentially um, that you, that you experience. 3D, 4D film. So the audience wears 3D glasses, and and so everything is is done on the screen. And it has the impression of 3D, but they add things like making the uh, theater shake back and forth to simulate being picked up, you know, or uh, there's a, a part where I think there's a part with a, see, I am I might get it confused with another, There at the, around the same time, they had another ride in Disney called the Bugs Life ride. Uh, yes, that would have
0: been over at Animal Kingdom. And it was also 4D. Yes, and Um, it used the same gimmick effects.
1: It used very much the same. And so there was one scene where I think a stink bug, like shot some stinky stuff, and I but I couldn't remember. Yeah, a dog sneezes
0: on you at one point. A snake spits at you. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all that all that
1: fun stuff. So I I really like this ride. Uh, it's closed now, it closed in, uh, May of 2010, which is much longer, had a much longer run than I, than Insane. I would have, uh, would have thought. It is pretty crazy that that's, uh, that's when it closed down. Um, it was originally in Epcot, but oh, no, know, it was, it stayed in Epcot. It was an Epcot attraction. Uh, and yeah, it was, um... It was one of my one of my favorite rides, one of my go to rides. I really like the the ones that give you a, 4D kind of experience. Star Wars, Star Tour not Star Tours. That was something else. It was like Star. It was a Star Wars ride, basically, in MGM Studios. Well, that was Star Tours. It was, it was Star Tours. Yeah. Okay, all
0: right. Um, that was another. Did fun you ever do uh, M- Muppet Vision 3D? Yep. Which Did which had. Not as much 4D elements, but um, had a few of them. So, um,
1: yeah, I mean, I, the, the, it really it, what, what "Honey, I Shrunk the Audience" did was it followed the plot of the popular movie at the time, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," or also the sequel, "Honey, We
0: Shrunk Ourselves." Uh, "Honey, I Blew huh? Up the Kid" was the sequel, followed by "Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves." I wait. What was the sequel? Did you never see Honey, I Blew Up the Kid? No. Where they make the baby giant? No. Oh, my God. And the baby terrorizes Las Vegas? You definitely I've need to see heard that. i never of this movie, Sean. Yeah. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid.
1: Great wow. one. I've so probably that was seen that scene.
0: movie more than I've seen the original, because I think we had a VHS tape of it or something. I've oh, seen maybe. that a number of times. It's this is a real thing. Not that great.
1: This is a real thing. Um. Actually, my, my first... Experience into the, the the Rick Moranis saga, that I call it, is um, was Honey I Honey I, Honey We Shrunk Ourselves. S-
0: yes, the straight to was video. The first, the first one that
1: I saw, yeah, the straight to video on, Uh, not as good as the original though. Yeah. Honey I Shrunk the Kids, I think, is is the superior one. It was they were all good. Um, for the time they were they were there for the time. Uh. I just remember in the in the ride and in the movie, there's like a part where there's like a giant cockroach that mm. comes out. That was pretty scary. It's I remember being scared of that when I was a kid. Of the, the ride part and then the movie part. So yeah, that's a real movie. Honey, it blew up the kids. Look at that. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Um It's called Micro Adventure in Tokyo Disneyland.
0: Yeah. I, I always loved that. And I I don't know. Why that is, maybe it just doesn't, the movie wasn't released over there. Maybe,
1: um, might have been difficulty with translation.
0: Well, the funny thing is, if you looked at like the outside of the French version, they they in, in France they do translate it into French, and then in English under it they say, Honey, I shrunk the audience. Mm. Um, but I like micro adventure, that's fun. Yeah, as you mentioned, it was in uh, all four Disney parks that were open at the time. Epcot um, in Orlando, Disneyland in California, Tokyo Disneyland, and Disneyland Paris. um, All got versions of this ride.
1: So there was actually, um, at the end of the ride, and I remember this. um,
0: Oh, Matt got a little frozen-y there. The end of the ride. humongous problem and then
1: uh he says i I, honey i did it i blew up the dog and the giant you get like a giant dog that comes out and that's where the dog the dog sneezes and it it, like sprays on everybody in the finale um i wonder if people left this thinking there was going to be a another sequel with, with a giant dog
0: well you know it's it's interesting the if you look at the um the release dates of the films themselves, it's entirely possible that they could believe that because the, the movies were released in 89, 92 and 97, and the ride originally opened in 94. So theoretically, it opened before Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. I mean, there could have been a sequel. Absolutely. Yeah. And the ride itself, um, interestingly enough, did introduce some new characters not originally in the film, including Dr. Uh, Nigel Channing, played by Eric Idle, um, who is exclusive to the ride and was not featured in the films. So it's entirely possible.
1: Yeah. The Monty Python guys have have uh, they've gotten in a lot of rides.
0: Well, you know, the like- funny story about Eric Idle in this ride was that he wasn't originally cast in this. Um they didn't say who the original actor was, but he dropped out at the very last minute. And uh, Marcia Strassman, who plays Diane Zelinsky in the movies and in the ride, was on her way to shoot the ride footage. Ran, this is totally true, ran into Eric Idle at the hotel, and he was there for unrelated reasons. And she just say, hey, Eric, why don't you just come with me to the set? And they just on the spot that day randomly cast him, and he's still in the ride. Well, he was in the, in the ride for how many years? Number of years.
1: Wow. I nice. see. This is this is what you're the rides guy, Sean. You're the
0: no, you're the expert on these
1: on these uh these rides no, for sure. No,
0: I'm just a, a lunatic <laughs> loser. So I told you I had a funny story about this ride. Yeah. So uh, when I went to Disney in 1999, I was uh, eight years old and uh, just terrified of everything. Okay. If if you think I'm an anxious adult, you should have seen me as a child. And unfortunately, that meant there were a lot of rides I would not go on out of fear. Some made sense. The uh, Tower of Terror. Uh, Test track was testing at the time some of the more thrill rides. I refused to go on Honey I Shrunk the Audience because I thought it would be too scary. So my dad and I sat outside while the rest of the family did Honey I Shrunk the Audience. Wow! In, and instead we went on Ellen's Energy Adventure over at the Universe of Energy. How was that? It's a long. That's like a forty-five minute ride. It's so long and so slow. Oh but it was hosted by Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Nye the science guy so and it was sponsored by Exxon so fossil fuels pretty good <laughs> wasn't there a chemical
1: lab in in um was it Monsanto? Did they have a Did they have a ride in Epcot at one point? Am I remembering that correctly?
0: You're sort of remembering it. Disneyland in California. Monsanto was an original sponsor when they opened in the 50s. Had a number of um, the Monsanto Hall of Chemistry, the Monsanto House of the Future. Back when Walt was into that kind of stuff, they were there um, in Epcot specifically. The only The only science lab that I could think of would be in the Land Pavilion. Um, where they had an actual working uh, greenhouse and they, they, and it's still there today where they have scientists working on growing plants and fish and, and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this um, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience actually replaced Captain EO in the Magic Eye Theater in each of these locations where it had finished up its run and that's ultimately what killed the ride was the return of Captain EO after the passing of Michael Jackson uh, in 2009. Yeah. Um, they brought back Captain you Neo. Know, shut this down. They said it may or may not come back, and then it just never came back.
1: Hmm. Yep. So that—that's Honey. I shrunk the audience, or microadventure, <laughs> aka microadventure. There you go. I imagine they would say it.
0: That's a very appropriate way to say it. Uh Matt, I got one for you. Mm-hmm. It's one I know neither of us have written, but I we have to do a non-Disney one. Because I I have a feeling that those are easy to point to. So I'm going to point you to beautiful Mason, Ohio. Have you ever been to Mason, Ohio? Uh,
1: Nope. Can't say that I have.
0: It is the home of Kings Island, uh, a large and relatively famous uh, amusement park, probably a top-ton one in the world. It's the second most visited seasonal amusement park in the United States behind Cedar Point and third overall for seasonal attendance in North America. Um, So a a big popular park uh, way back in the... Let me get the exact year when they opened it. Um, Give me one second so I can... I I don't want to mess this up. Because uh, back in 1979, uh, Kings Island opened The Beast, which was a wooden roller coaster, um, a complete record breaker. Amazing coaster. Tallest, fastest, and longest wooden roller coaster in the world. Uh, it remains the longest at uh, 7,359 feet, which is more than 35 acres. Uh, it's got two lift hills. It is it is a beast of a ride. Um, still one of the best wooden roller coasters in the world using the natural terrain um, and being surrounded by trees. It's really a unique experience. So what did they do in the 90s? Uh, the same thing everyone else did. They cre- created a sequel, Son of Beast was another record-breaking wooden roller coaster to be built at Kings Island. Um, It was going to uh, be the first wooden hyper coaster in the world with a 214-foot drop and only the second wooden roller coaster ever to feature an inversion, um, a loop, essentially. Uh, It was opened in May of 2000 and immediately ran into problems. Uh, The manufacturer of the coaster, Roller Coaster Corporation of America, was fired halfway through construction for shoddy work. Kings Island themselves finished it. Uh, It was found out that they used uh, shitty wood to build it, that they used shitty screws to build it, that it was uh, generally unsafe. Uh, It had several major uh, incidents during its run. Uh, Let me get here. In 2006, a failure caused uh, the rails to warp, and a train came to an abrupt stop. 27 injuries were reported. Um, There was later a lawsuit with that. Uh, in 2009, a woman claimed to have suffered a hedge injury from riding the Son of Beast. Um, the ride was generally very uh, unstable and shifting. And so what happened is uh, the state came in and investigated. Um, it ended up costing the park over $30 million to build and repair it over time. As I said, it opened in 2000 and closed in 2009, which is impressive for a ride that was shoddy and generally unsafe. And it was demolished uh, in 2012. So they built this giant Uh, wooden roller coaster made of shitty wood and shitty fasteners that had no business standing. It was a bad ride, hurt people, and they eventually just tore it down.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much a recipe for for fun times, I guess. I was trying to look up how far Mason, Ohio is from me and how far it is from you if we wanted to go, say – take a take an old visit there
0: oh i'd love it's, to go to king's island it's a little over eight hours for me how about how about you here um, <laughs> longer i will just come out and say long it's probably would be like close to 10 to 12 hours depending on where exactly uh, it is in ohio you're by adam's mass right uh, sort of i'm by agawam mass
1: more by agawam okay because that's so, where i live yeah i would say okay it's the same yeah it's about 11 hours 48 minutes sean that's a uh, that's a long ride.
0: Well, I did find out, Matt, what we have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. This is kind of off topic, but um, I found out my company's warehouse in North Carolina, where I was earlier this week, is right down the road from Carowinds, which is a great amusement park in North Carolina. Huh. So I have an excuse to
1: be there. But anyway. You'll have fun with that, sure. So that sounds uh, like a good place for you to be.
0: So Son of Beast. Mm-hmm. There Son you go. Son of Beast. Son of Beast, a notorious example of a very expensive roller coaster that was an absolute disaster, a failure of inspection, a failure of construction, a failure of conception.
1: All right. I, I, I feel like I want to read a whole book about that.
0: Well, there's a great. So, Matt, we sh, this is the point in the show where we should mention where we got some of the data from this source uh, to learn some of this. Son of Beast, I learned from this. And I'm sure you from a number of things as well. We're big fans of Defunct Land on YouTube. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I just started getting into watching uh, watching their stuff. It's, he has a, it's, it's he, a good channel.
0: He has a great set of beast video. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: that's where I learned a lot of this. Um, I'll also shout out uh, Yesterland is another really great channel for amusement park stuff, as well as Park Ride History is another great one. Um, and, of course, Podcast the Ride is a great podcast. So there's a lot of good stuff out there, if, if this is interesting to you.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh, lot of sources for this stuff so Sean the next one that I have here uh, next exhibit <laughs> this is one that I've never been on but definitely now now learning about it through uh, the various channels that we've mentioned before I, I kind of wish I had experienced it in it's very very short-term existence uh, that's superstar limo
0: yes <laughs> superstar. First of all, I could do a whole episode on the failure of California Adventure alone. But we don't sure. have time for that. So we can talk about what many would say is the with a period, number 1, capitalize bold it, worst ride Disney has ever produced.
1: Yes. This this is all, like yeah, like as you as you mentioned, as Sean just mentioned here, uh that the uh this is probably the worst thing. Will we agree? Like the worst ride in terms of a ride, like the worst that Disney has
0: ever done. Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, um, I would say I say I would say the worst from you know some of their like tweaks to rides or revisions of rides have been bad. Uh, we can talk about maybe we might end up talking about Rocket Rods in a little bit, but Superstar Limo has to be the worst from scratch ride they've ever made.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's it's pretty bad i i guess i i probably won't do it justice do you want to do you want to explain what the the plot was or should i i mean i have no, I'm, i have it all up here but you you seem you're much more you're definitely more passionate about this so no
0: i just have a big brain that i've filled with stupid knowledge no uh, superstar limo you know it's funny because on its face it's terrible but when you hear the backstory of it you kind of learn a few things about it Disney was opening California Adventure, uh, a generally stupid idea. Hey, let's open a California-themed park in California. Okay, uh, and one of the sections was going to be uh, a Hollywood section, and they originally planned it to be a big, uh, a big built-out thing, and they were going to do a custom ride, big custom indoor roller coaster for it, um, and the theme of the roller coaster was going to be, you we're going to get on the roller coaster and you were going to try and escape the paparazzi. Michael Eisner would be on at the start of the ride, and he'd say, hey, your big movie premiere's happening, but and you gotta get over here fast, but look out for the paparazzi, and you'd be on the roller coaster, and sh- go around, there'd be flashing lights, and the paparazzi, and you'd have to escape them, right? Well, two really terrible things happened that turned that into Superstar Limo. One was the untimely death of Princess Diana, who died in a car accident being chased by paparazzi. Disney decided it would be in bad taste to make a ride That is a fast-paced car driving away from paparazzi. The second being massive budget cuts for California Adventure, the cheapest park Disney has ever built, and it shows in the quality of their rides. They could no longer do a big roller coaster. It got downsized, downsized, downsized into what became Superstar Limo, a absurdly slow dark ride where you get into a limo and a sleazy agent comes on the screen and says to you, "Um, Matt, you, 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 you we just signed you up to this big movie. You got to get down to the theater right now. We're waiting for you, but watch out for the paparazzi. And then you move dangerously slow through a bunch of animatronics wouldn't be accurate. They were slightly moving puppets of celebrities in overly cartoony cutouts of Hollywood in California now. I should point out calling them celebrities is a stretch because they weren't celebrities. They were people who already had contacts with Disney or ABC who Disney owned like Drew Carey, Jackie Chan, Whoopi Goldberg, Antonio Banderas, Cher, a real odd mix there um, of folks. And you would very slowly go through this ride, um, see these, these very ugly uh, murals on the wall with these very weird puppets. And then eventually that was it. And you would get to the end and you had made it to the premiere and then you got off the ride. <laughs> that was superstar limo, a ride that barely qualifies as a ride. My my
1: probably my favorite part of all this is the wait times were like supposedly extremely long for this for this like short-lived experience. When it first premiered, they did a very poor job apparently of managing the uh the cues and keeping them moving. So they had a very it was a very long wait for a very short I mean you, you could tell me is that like it says the duration was approximately three minutes thirty seconds. Is that is that long, short, or a par for the course for a ride like well, this? Well,
0: you, you compare it to something like a Mr. Toad and you're not far off. But this was more the the uh, California adventure was more intentionally targeted towards adults, which Disney realized was a bad idea. Um, And so a three minute kids ride, and we can talk about what superstar limo became makes sense. A very slow three and a half minute ride like this for adults is stupid. That was the problem.
1: (laughs) So it was, it was because this, this ride was not geared towards children.
0: I mean, you could argue it was, but California Adventure as a whole wasn't. I mean, there were really very few children's rides in there when it first opened in two thousand and one, and so this was one of the few things you could take your kids on.
1: It was more geared towards, yeah. So, so it was kind of supposed to be fun for the whole family,
0: right? It was a lot of Hollywood inside jokes kids wouldn't really get, but it was like, oh, but they were puppets, but they were like ugly and scary, so it didn't, <laughs> it didn't quite make a ton of sense. The other thing, too, about when you talk about the wait time is there were very few rides in California Adventure on opening day, period. There were about, if you look at, like, genuinely big marquee rides, California and Roller Coaster, Grizzly River Run, which was a uh, a Rapids, Tube Rapids ride, um, Soren, the first version of Soren Around the World, and, like, that's it. Like, there were no rides. And that's what was so... And this was the cornerstone. Superstar Limo was the cornerstone of the Hollywood area. So if you weren't at Superstar Limo, there was nothing else in that whole corner of the park. It was just bizarre. Hmm.
1: <laughs> My Another another uh, highlight, I guess, um, or lowlight, is that when they closed this attraction... They replaced it with the Monsters Inc. ride.
0: Yes, Monsters Inc., Mike and Sully to the rescue. So yes. so we should say Superstar Limo uh-huh. lasted less than a year. To my to my limited knowledge, maybe the shortest operating ride in Disney history. I don't know if that's true, but it could be. February
1: two thousand one to January two thousand
0: two. But what's interesting is it actually they couldn't figure out what to do with it. It sat empty until 2006. It just literally they figured just shutting it down and leaving it empty was better than continuing to run it. That's how bad this ride was.
1: Yeah. And and when they when they did finally replace it in 2006, they replaced the basically they just they they didn't they didn't take the animatronics out. They just put like costumes on that like the uh so you see if you look at like a like a shot for shot like side by side of uh the the limo ride with the monster's ink ride you'll see like Drew Carey is is handing out pamphlets but instead it'll be a guy in a hazmat suit and he's handing out
0: something Oh yeah, they, uh, they recycled probably like hundred percent of the animatronics.
1: Uh, yeah, the, the Jackie Chan person is just a guy doing a kick in a hazmat suit. So it's they just put hazmat suits on all of these these celebrity uh, celebrity animatronics. Um. So this this is one of the most famous uh, examples of a, of just a, a terrible failed uh, failed ride.
0: Yeah, and I think. It's not only notable because the ride itself was bad, but because it was a marquee attraction at a brand new... If they had just opened this in, like, the Magic Kingdom or Epcot or something, I think it wouldn't be quite as reviled. But this was one of, like, four or five marquee rides for this brand new land they opened. That turned out to be a total disaster. So I I think that's why Superstar Limo is so notorious.
1: The Boston Globe a quote from the Boston Globe reviewing the ride is, kids will also like Superstar Limo. Here you play the star riding in your purple limo past a few audio-animatronic Hollywood celebrities. Adults will notice, however, that other painted plywood characters and sets are about on par with college theater construction. Um... ABC? Oh no. no, I'm sorry. Longview Daily News believe that they should change the name of the ride from Superstar Limo to It's a Shill World After All.
0: Yeah, the this, this space would be better devoted to something more entertaining, such as an audio animatronic dentist doing root canals on all Imagineers <laughs> who came up with the idea for Superstar Limo. And the funny thing about Superstar Limo... Um, You probably haven't a chance to see that. Disney Plus did a documentary, uh, The Imagineering Story, that kind of traces the history of the parks, and it's extremely corporate biased. It's very whitewashed. They don't talk about any controversies. The one ride that they use as an example in the documentary of a bad ride, because they have to have one, right? They can't say every ride was perfect. The one ride they shit on in this entire history of all the parks is Superstar Limo. That says something.
1: That's the low-hanging fruit, right that there. That is
0: like the easy one to point to and say, "Yep, we're not perfect. Every other ride's great, but that one, we'll, we'll take the mulligan on. We screwed that and, up."
1: And I'm sure they say how much they learned from their mistakes and uh, well, the, all the things that we tried to do in Superstar Limo. We, you know, we learned from it. It was a learning experience, and we all have to. They they treated it as like their low point.
0: Well, and it's, you know, blame the old boss. The California Adventure as a whole, they admit it's a failure, but that's oh Bob Iger came in and spent a billion dollars and made it great. And it's now it's perfect, you know. It's a corporate
1: line. Yep. Um yeah, actually that's on that's on my list. That's on my on my list of things to watch from Disney Plus.
0: It's um, yeah, it's pretty that, good. You just have to go in knowing it's super corporate whitewashed. And if you're okay that with that if, um, I wanna I wanna watch all of the shorts the Disney oh, shorts the one the one, up, the one day at a Pixar time hmm? or the the one where they follow the different people across the Disney company no you mean? no no I'm
1: talking about the shorts the like the Pixar shorts oh no they, every, they have all of them on there
0: they do but they also have a if you like the Imagineering story they have a separate documentary series called one day at Disney where they're only each are like five or seven minutes each they're really short uh, but they each follow, I think they're doing like a hundred of them or something, and each one follows a different employee of the Disney Corporation. So one, it's the scuba diver who cleans uh, underwater and maintains the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride, or now, I'm sorry, now it's the the, the Nemo submarine ride. Um, they do one with uh, a, an animator, and they'll do, it's all different people from the Disney company. It's really neat. And they're they're nice little shorts. So I'll give that a shot too. If that interests also you. gotta watch the I gotta catch up on
1: Clone Wars. So
0: Yes. Yeah, I gotta get that money out of that subscription. Uh Matt, were there any other particular rides you wanted to get to? I've got one that, more to talk about.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of done it for my list. So what's your what's your uh, what's your last one here?
0: I want to talk about you'll notice a theme with all these rides, it's usually budget cuts. Usually is a good indicator of a shitty ride. Uh, and I went, Matt, are you familiar with rocket rods? No. No. Why don't you tell me more about that? Another short lived Disney attraction. So um, back in uh, 1998, Tomorrowland at Disneyland in California was looking old because it was. They hadn't done anything with it in like 30 years. It looked sad. Now they could have dumped a bunch of money and they actually had planned out. A big revitalization of Tomorrowland. New Tomorrowland, they called it. Instead, Disney decided to slash the budget in half after the failure of Euro Disney and do it on the cheap. So all they really did was paint everything some new colors and roll out a couple of simple rides. One of the things they did was remove the People Mover. Now, if you're not familiar with the People Mover, this was a original, uh, a very old Disney ride. It was essentially like a monorail that went around Tomorrowland very slowly, it was a 16 minute ride that would just slowly take you around. It would go in and out of some of the buildings, and it would essentially take you around Tomorrowland as, as as you know transportation of the future, basically. But it was all these elevated concrete tracks that went around all of Tomorrowland. So what Disney decided to do was close down the people mover and replace the slow putt putt cars they had with rocket rods, which were these sort of uh, race car ish. Um, They were narrow, and they sat five people, one in front of the other. So five rows, one seat, in these narrow cars. And they put them on the people mover track, and they would... It was supposed to be like a more high-speed ride using the people mover tracks, right? Here's the thing. They did it on the cheap. What does that mean? They couldn't get a corporate sponsor, and they couldn't raise enough money to do it right. The proper way to engineer this thing would have been to bank the turns, which if you've ever seen a racetrack when you're going at a high speed, you can't just like suddenly turn. A bank turn would, they couldn't alter the track at all. A track not designed for high speed cars. So A, the cars would constantly accelerate and then slow down and accelerate and then slow down and accelerate and slow down for the entire length of the track, leading to computer errors, failures, the system breaking down, rubber wheels being damaged, and ultimately hardcore engineering damage to the concrete structure of the people mover track so bad that not only did they have to shut down rocket rods, but they could never use those tracks again for a ride because they damaged them so badly. Uh, rocket rods opened in 1998 as part of new tomorrow land closed just uh, two years later in uh, three years later in 2001. Um, a ride that constantly broke down required a ton of maintenance Permanently damaged the people mover tracks, which still remain today unused, just sitting in Tomorrowland. Wow. Uh, the the uh, entry area and the waiting area for rocket rods became Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters in 2005.
1: And that's the one that... Uh, where the shooting you, ride. You fired the lasers, yeah. I do. Yep. I think I, I do remember that one. Um, that also... Kind of reminds me of another ride that is, I believe, also defunct. Um, in was called Downtown Disney. They had a uh, like a big arcade.
0: Disney Quest, yes. Disney Quest, Disney Quest yeah. Oh, I can. Dude, don't get me started on Disney Quest. I can talk about Disney Quest.
1: That's a yeah. That's that's a whole different different story. But I I, I remember going there. That oh, did you enjoy it? Trip. I did. I, I did but I definitely did not take the full advantage of it. I'm pretty sure all all I really remember from it is the cool elevator yep. that had the genie, yeah, from Aladdin and I played the Sega Genesis or something. I played like a like a Sega video game console for like the entire time. That's what I mean by I didn't take full. I didn't go to the 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 rides where you shoot the thing, the the like the more but, interactive stuff, yeah. Um, I didn't do any of the like Disney animation thing. That seemed pretty cool. I watched a whole video about it, and like the memories kept flooding back. I just remember being a kid and just wanting to play the Sega Genesis, which is what I did
0: the whole time that I was there. Yeah, a concept that never really took off, the, uh, the Disney quest.
1: So, yeah, it's, it's, it's gone now, right? That has been replaced by a um, something with the NBA. It's like some kind of basketball facility, I think, for the Magic.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. The one in Chicago closed, like, in two years. That was a big failure. But the one at uh, Downtown Disney, now Disney Springs, actually lasted until 2017, if you can believe it. Mm-hmm. A, a thing they basically gave up on in the early 2000s lasted until 2017, where, yes, it was replaced – uh by the uh nba i'm trying to get the exact name of it it's like the it nba a... experience
1: okay so it wasn't a, it wasn't a practice i thought it was a
0: practice facility for the magic no it's it's uh, it's, it's it's also so think about uh, disney quest was it was one of the few upcharge attractions at downtown disney you had to pay extra to go there um and that's also true of the nba experience however um Based on what I've read in reviews, the NBA experience is whack and apparently not great, so okay uh they can't get people to go to it, but yeah absolutely
1: so, yeah so that that was um that was one of the defunct experiences that i i definitely has a has a vivid memory i have a vivid memory of that uh, it was um I think we had to take like a we had to take like a ferry or boat to get there. I think it was like there was like a ferry that transported you there.
0: Yeah, that was one of the ways so you that could get was there.
1: It yeah. was really fun as like a 9-year-old me to to see that.
0: I will but, say did you ever get a chance to do Universal Studios?
1: You know, I didn't. No, I've never been to Universal.
0: Uh a lot of rides, very few actually original rides are still in Universal Studios from when it launched. Uh, in Florida, but the Jaws ride was a favorite of mine. Um I thought that 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 was a that was an awesome ride with the animatronic shark that comes right up and tries to bite your bow and um they blow them up at the end. It's great. Universal had a lot of good um blow'em up attractions. Hmm. Uh, that's it, Matt.
1: That's it. That about concludes our uh our talk about defunct attractions.
0: yes. We listed our sources. Go check them out. I do recommend, at minimum, at minimum, if you do something after this episode, watch the footage of Superstar Limo. You will thank yourself because you don't really understand how shitty it is with just us talking about it. You need to see it for yourself. So go on YouTube and do yourself a favor and and watch that. Um, And Matt, are are we allowed to tease what's coming up next on the show? Um, we absolutely can.
1: I, I, I think that would be a great idea. Now
0: we're, we're the Kings of the gimmick. We, we, we love a good gimmick on this show. And I think we've come up with a gimmick that will revolutionize the podcasting industry.
1: Revolutionize. You say,
0: yes, take it to a whole nother level. And what that is, is we've decided to do an insane thing. We're giving a whole month to Matt. Now, Matt, when you and I decide the topics for the shows each week, we kind of have some level of veto power over each other, and we'll say nah, let's not do that, or, nah, that might not work, or nah, I'm not interested in that. But that's done. For the entire month of March, Matt is 100% in charge. I cannot veto a single idea of his. He I've got
1: him right free where I free
0: range. Ladies and gentlemen, let me be the first to welcome you to our next big promotion here on Up for Debate. We call it March Madness get excited Uh, Matt can you do you know yet what we're talking about next week Sean
1: you're making a big mistake (laughs) you're making a big mistake now
0: I'm also going to tell people don't Mm -hmm. worry because I know people out there are like but I want to hear what Sean has to say don't worry Sean timber coming later this year
1: yes I did. I that was part of the deal. That was the I, compromise.
0: Order... And by the way, Matt, I've already planned out all four weeks of Sean Temper. So. Oh wow, that's uh,
1: the, very much the difference between <laughs> you. And, but it and, wouldn't be I, it
0: wouldn't be March Madness without like last minute planning.
1: It's gonna happen. That I, you know, that's that's how I do my best work. It always has been under under the pressure of the last minute. So um, I don't know officially yet, but I, I do have a couple of, of ideas. They're they're kind of churning in. Uh, they're churning upstairs, so.
0: But that's what's great. Nothing is off-limit. You want to do uh, it's gonna happen. bracket challenges, creative challenges. You want to have on guests. You want to read a book, watch a movie. You Whatever you want, Matt. Sky's the limit. I still am confused years ago when you pitched Bridges and Tunnels as an episode idea. Still don't know what that means, but we can do that. So, <laughs> you know, literally anything.
1: Well, I, I I feel like we satisfied that by by officially declaring the Brooklyn Bridge the greatest American. We
0: can't do brackets American anymore. Landmark. We cannot do brackets anymore. We're so bad at them. <laughs> I still have people complain that uh, chicken
1: noodle soup.
0: Yeah, it was eliminated the first round. And then uh, what was it, Italian wedding soup won the soup bracket. Yeah, we're uh, we're definitely not. Caesar salad. Caesar salad, yes, our super salad winner. The, the king of all salads. <laughs> the <emperor sighs> salads. We can't we cannot do this anymore. Uh, yep. Anyway, so I we really we just you know what? Bring on that
1: bring on that person that the the commenter. The commenter should be like a third voice that's like, "You guys are what, what are you doing?" Just well, like have, have them just yell at us the whole time. Well, that's the
0: funny thing is so like, I think be much better in the history of the show, we've only had like three YouTube comments and all three have called us idiots. So <laughs> I, I don't know what that means, but people, awesome. hey, people are watching.
1: I love it. You know what? They had to, they had to at least watch a, a part of an episode to, to make that judgment, right? Yep. They had to at least watch like five, 10 seconds or listen to 10 seconds. So,
0: but again, I just imagine, cause I, a hundred percent, it has to be the way they found us. What? No.
1: Oh, is that your cat?
0: Your yeah, cat he's trying to, to eat something? the dice on my desk. <laughs> Can't eat those. That's not food. Um, no, my guess is he went on YouTube, searched for XFL, and somehow found us and was rightfully disappointed. So oh, should
1: we should we make a full XFL like podcast? As no, because like, then I'd have to watch project? the XFL. Well, that's your problem, Sean. Don't do you that. don't watch the XFL, I don't. Then, so you don't know what you're talking about. Clearly, I don't. Um, I, I would just like to say, for the record, um, I I was busy doing family stuff, so I could not watch last weekend. I do. Fu- I fully plan on at least watching the Guardians this weekend. My home, my hometown team. Who
0: are they playing?
1: Um, they are playing the. As we both frantically Google no, no, no. it. <laughs>
0: they're definitely
1: playing oh, the los L- angeles wild the la football.
0: wildcats look at so, that
1: um i will How i will are the... definitely tune in for that i hope to see my favorite player third string quarterback uh i don't want to get his name wrong so i'm gonna also google that just
0: make it up no one's gonna challenge you on it
1: uh the youtube guy is gonna challenge me sean uh no his name is not landry jones why that's, he's the third string quarterback of the renegades Come on! Sad that you uh, know that. My, it's my my. Where is he? He's the third string quarterback. My he's my favorite player because he learned literally learned how to play the position by watching YouTube. And I thought that was Luis awesome. Perez. There he is, Louis Luis Perez, Luis Perez. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be completely honest here, Sean. I I thought that was his name without googling it or anything. I, I thought it was Luis Perez. I was afraid of getting it wrong. And I I want to provide the best content possible on this show. So that's why I was trying to frantically Google what his name Matt, was.
0: I, I wouldn't worry about it. Everyone thinks we're two morons. Uh
1: sponsors are gonna are gonna not like this, Sean. They're gonna pull our they're gonna pull their sponsorship. We're gonna be in the in the in the bottom the bottom basement of podcasts.
0: I, I wouldn't let them I want pay that. us. Don't pay us. We're not worth anything. Uh, Matt, I'm excited for March Madness. I hope everyone out there is as well. Uh, before we get there, go to upfordebate.tv. It's our website. All the past episodes are there. Just click the archive button. Of course, you can subscribe wherever you get podcasts. We're there. An Overcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, everywhere you are, we are. Video version you on YouTube as well. We watched episode
1: where Sean and I ate bugs. That was fun. Did
0: you know... If I weren't lazy, I am dying to do like a weird snacks episode <laughs> where I collect a bunch of weird snacks, mail half of them to you, and we try them both on the air. But that's so much work. I think our problem is motivation. Yes. See, if
1: we had, this, is, this is the part where if we had an audience or like a, like a fan base. If people paid they, us. They send us snacks, and I would definitely eat them on the air, sure. I think it'd be great. As long as they like, I don't know, as long as they didn't kill me.
0: I did. You know what I see? I shouldn't. What I'm about to say, I shouldn't say because I'm worried you'll want to do it for March Madness. But uh, I was thinking about doing like a hot sauce challenge, where you and I get a bunch of different level hot sauces and we eat them at the same time and see how long we can last.
1: I'm. I'm actually. I'm. I'm kind of a coward when it comes to that. Oh, so am I. That's why it's funny.
0: I. If you did it, I would do it. I would. I would do it, but I don't want to. So. I'll do anything for the show, even if I don't want to. <laughs> um, and yes, of course, you can contact us up for debate TV at gmail.com or tweet at us, at up for debate TV on Twitter, Matt, we got to end it here. It's the end of February, the end of our episode here, but on behalf of Ban I'm Sean. Thanks folks out there for joining us. We'll see you next time for another up for debate.